Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And a good afternoon to everybody out there. Welcome, welcome. Once again, it is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, and I am your host, Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here, and what better guest than to have the voice of the Columbus Chattahoots, Zach DeBozart, back on the show for a second time. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Zach, I am excited to talk Chattahoots baseball the Columbus Chattahoots finished the regular season in the SBL with a 17-11 and 11 record. They lock up the number two seed. They will play a best-of-three series this weekend, starting Friday night at Historic Golden Park and a game three at Historic Golden Park if necessary. So here's what's happening right now in the Sunbelt Baseball wildcard round. It's great that the Chattahoots avoided this round because it's a winner-take-all elimination game. The number three seed, the Atlanta Crackers, taking on the number six seed, Brookhaven Bucks, and then the number four seed, Waleska Wild Things, taking on the number five seed, Atlanta Blues. Zach, they cannot play the Brookhaven Bucks because they are the number six seed. If the high seeds advance, it looks like Columbus is going to take on the Atlanta Crackers tomorrow at historic golden park your thoughts well i mean obviously it's a huge relief to not have to worry about the wild card round uh last season we had to play in that round we were on the road for it actually uh but that's when the team all of a sudden hit its stride and uh, took itself all the way to the championship we actually beat uh the atlanta crackers in that wild card round back in 2021 so a bit of a relief to not have to worry about that this year team played really hard down the stretch they were about 500 at the halfway mark and 14 games left to go they won i think it was 10 or 11 of their last uh 14 there was a stretch where we won 10 and 12 so the uh the team was just clicking on all cylinders and i mean putting up double digit runs and more games than not it felt like especially as you got down to it so it was a great job by them to be able to clinch the division, get this number two seed, and sit in a good place right now. You know, we're still waiting on our opponent. Those games you mentioned, they are today uh, when we're recording this, obviously, but they are today. And it'll be uh, interesting to see where we come out. We'll get the highest seed available. So three, four, or five, like you said, can't play six. Atlanta, the Crackers are the obvious one. You would say they're the number three. And what's interesting is we played them only twice this year we had a double header at kennesaw state because we had some rain out affect the previous trip there and it was a late night because we had some rain delay even in that double header but we won both games and really came at them but i tell you what a double header where there's rain delays and everything is just you're worried about getting the games in versus playoff baseball where you're really focused every inning every pitch uh that's going to be a different beast so you know, just because the Hoots have some good recent track record against the Crackers, you know, don't think there's overconfidence there. That's a very good baseball team if we end up playing them. 
the other teams, like you said, Waleska and the Atlanta Blues, uh, we split the series with each of them one and one. So no matter who we get in that first round in the semifinals, it's going to be a good series. And uh, we need everyone to come out in Golden Park on Friday because that's game one of the semifinals at home. Zach, in your opinion, who gets the nod in game one for the Chattahoots? So I was talking with Steve Smith a little bit about it and how he set up his uh, his pitching staff for this. According to him, he's looking at Clay Weatherly going game one. Then you got Bryce Valero game two, and it'll be a Nick Morgan uh, in game three if necessary. Or if you take the two-game sweep, Nick Morgan would get game one probably uh, of the final series. Uh, those three guys have really just stood out as just being the most dependable, most efficient, and just overall dominant pitchers. Um, you know, Clay Weatherly, he was a returning hoot from last season on the mound. He got the start in the final game uh, of the uh, postseason. We lost the Alpharetta Aviators, and he's just done nothing but just show his class and just show how strong he is on the mound, pitching out of jams and just not afraid of, of going at any hitter. And then Valero, Valero is really the 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 star out of the scene, like out of nowhere, because fans remember he's also returning hoot, but he was an outfield platoon player last year. I think hit around 200, maybe sub 200 with the hoots. And, you know, honestly, a forgettable stat line. And then he comes in year number two. He's a pitcher, pitched the most innings uh, with his college team, as opposed to anybody who reported for the hoots. And he's been dominant. Uh, I believe, I think he finished as the strikeout king in oh, the yeah. SPL. I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't keep up with the, uh, I didn't keep up with the uh, final stats at the end of the end of the season on Tuesday. Um, but he was up in the lead by about three or four. And I don't think anybody passed him. So uh, Valero, I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. Then Nick Morgan, uh, his last outing as a starter, I think he threw like 40 pitches through five innings. Like he was extremely efficient. Pitch to contact well, trust his defense. And, I mean, those are three guys that just on their, you know, ability on the mound and what they've done this year, probably, you know, the strongest starting rotation, if you will, of, of three pitchers. In the SBL, Gainesville would probably give us a, a pretty good, uh, good rip with them. But, of course, that's why they're the number one seed. And then, uh, you know, the Atlanta Crackers do have some great pitchers. You know, they won the SBL Central for a reason. Um, but it just seemed like that one day when uh, we had to play two against them, we were able to get to them. So that's why, uh, that's why you know, whoever the semifinal opponent's going to be, it's going to be a good one. I like the trio of Valero, Weatherly, and Morgan. Uh, they have pitched outstanding the entire regular season. You know, Nick Morgan's really been the workhorse. He's got a 2-2 two and two record with a 3-0-6 earned run average. You like you said, Bryce Valero with 48 strikeouts. He's got an earn run average of 286, and then Clay Weatherly, he's been uh, two and one on the season with the 270 earn run average. You also have a great bullpen with uh, Blake Trepanier. He's really been one of those innings eaters that's come in, and they have uh, the leading uh, saves leader, three way tie with Austin Shackelford, Nick Morgan, and uh, Gavin McBride. I really think that the bats have really come on and Columbus has really pulled away in the last couple of games Zane Ross leading the team with a 330 batting average and then you have the two bombers that have been uh, racking all over the the yard all season Netterville has really have come on of late and then Wynn Johns I mean they both have been outstanding hitters but you've been with this team all season what has impressed you the most about the Columbus Chattahoochee just working well together as a team 
I think it's a matter of when something's going wrong, they don't let it impact the rest of the team or the other facets of the game. You know, you're not putting it together at the plate. Well, that's okay. The pitching and the defense it can really pick you up and, and, and sort of things like that. Just because, you know, the Hoots have put together this, you know, re- really good record at the end of the season, it doesn't mean that everything's been 100% perfect all the time, but it's when things go a little haywire, they go a little awry. The team has the metal and the resolve in them uh, to really just power through that. Um, I've seen plenty of times this season where the Hoots have gone down early, they've gone down big, and most other teams, they let it defeat them. But they know baseball is a long game. It's very methodical. You have your at-bats. You have your chances to get up and, and cut into the lead. And I tell you what, if you take away some of the one-run losses and the tough luck losses they had at the beginning of the year, I mean, they'd be right up there with Gainesville in terms of being a 20-plus win team and trying to compete for the number one seed. So I think once they figured out some of those early season hitting woes of runners in scoring position weren't coming in and you were just getting those one-run losses, they really just steeled themselves and and continued through on the year. Um, and it's shown, too, in some of the statistics because you got guys like Logan Seehafer, Javi Marrero, heck, even Trevor Horn, the redshirt freshman from Auburn. All three of those guys are up in the top 10, I believe, among qualified pitchers in case per nine. Marrero and Seehafer, I think, either lead it or are in the top three uh, together with each other there. So, I mean, the bullpen, yeah, very great there. And then, uh, you know, in terms of at the plate, Zane Ross has been Mr. Consistent. He was one hit away from the 30-hit club, which is pretty hard to do in the Sun Belt League. It's a very good pitching league. When you only play 28 games, averaging over a hit per game is pretty difficult. But Zane did it with 29. And then Britt Netterville has been an unbelievable story. He started the year 0 for 15. Wow. And his first hit was a home run at Georgia Gwinnett College, went back-to-back with Wynn Johns. And then since then, he's turned into one of the hottest bats we have. I think he has three home runs now on the year and really been racking up the RBIs. Just just an unbelievable player at the plate. And the craziest part of it all is he's been playing a new position. He's traditionally a shortstop. He moved to third base because we have a glut of shortstops between Jesse Donahoe, Nico Sinise, and uh, himself. He moved over to third base. And, I mean, you would think he'd been playing third base all his life. He just eats it up at the hot corner. He is definitely one of the best defensive third basemen uh, in this league. So, you know, at the plate, you got guys like that, just all around strong team, no matter what facet of the game you look at. Zach, I've really been impressed with Sims Owens, the center fielder. Leads the team with 19 stolen bases, second in walks. He knows how to get on base. The Chattahoots are able to hit their way into scoring runs, but Sims Owens has been the table setter getting the 19 stolen bases. Uh, sometimes Columbus is going to get in one-run games where they got to win it with small ball. How important is it get in the postseason to have a player like Sims Owens to get on base, to move over in a scoring position without a Chattahoots player sacrificing him over? You know, it's huge. It's one of those things where, you know, when every out matters and if runs are at a premium, you know, you're not afraid to play that small ball because you've got guys that can drop a bunt down or you got guys that can swipe a bag. And I mean, Sims Owens, I think he was second in the league in walks 
And the only person he was behind was his teammate, Zane Ross. So those two, they get on base, they swipe bags, and they put you in a good position to consistently score runs, whether it's in the first inning, the eighth inning, whenever it is they get up to bat. Um, You look at their on-base percentages. I think Owens might have edged out Ross in terms of total on-base percentage because not only is he second in walks, but Owens was also, I think, second in the league in terms of being hit by a pitch. And then, obviously, he's a pretty good hitter with the stick as well. I think just hitting a shade under 300. Uh, went down a little bit near the end of the year. He was dealing with a little bit of an injury, but he's he's better now. He's gotten the last couple of days off to be able to rest that and and get ready for playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of the playing small ball, you know, that's something Steve Smith's not afraid to do, and he's definitely got the tools and weapons to do it. And that just goes to show, I mean, once again, the Hoot's such a dangerous team. They've won plenty of games, 12-0, 12-8, but they can also win games 2-1 and 3-2 as well. Once you get in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter how you win, just as long as you get that win. You have been with the team all year being the play-by-play announcer, so you know everything about the Columbus Chattahoots, their highs, their lows. They had a very slow start to start the season. They started 1-3, and three, but they were able to turn the corner, and they rallied on and get some wins, and they were able to win the SBL West to lock up the number two seed. But the Atlanta Crackers seem to have the number two seed in at hand But I think that two-game series up at Kennesaw State really was the difference maker, and Columbus was able to clinch that number two seed, having to avoid playing that wild card game. Oh, it definitely was. I mean, one in three through four games in a 28-game season, you know, that's that's a larger chunk of your season than people realize. I like to equate it to baseball fans. Like, you look in the major leagues, play 162 games. 28 games is roughly a fifth of that. So every single game you're playing has the weight of five MLB games when it comes to your schedule. So one in three, just think of it as you've won five of your first 20. That's not a good start, no matter what way you slice it. But the crazy part is they were one in three with it was like a plus eight or a plus seven run differential because they had a run rule win and then three one run losses. Just some of those things, hey, tough luck losses, ball didn't bounce your way, just call maybe didn't go your way thought it had an out safe vice versa whatever it was but again they learned to steal themselves from that they really uh pushed forward and and didn't let it affect them they didn't let their record uh being so low you know bother them at all and obviously they pushed on to a great second half of the season uh winning 10 games and 10 of the 14 they played and getting to the SBL West title, uh, the, the double header with the Atlanta crackers. Yes. I would definitely equate it as, Hey, that's when they put themselves in the driver's seat for the two seed because going into that double header, the crackers were two games ahead. And I mean, there was already rain that day. So there was the thought, Oh man, are we even going to play both of these? Are we going to play any of these? Uh, and you know, I, I think if you had told, Columbus, hey, you're going to go up to Kennesaw, doubleheader, it's going to be miserable, it's going to be a long night, but you're at least going to get one win. They would have been happy with that. But the fact that they got two not only brought themselves back even with Atlanta at that point, but then got the tiebreaker on them as well, that just set the table for the rest of the season. Keep the bats hot, keep feeling good, and obviously clinched it uh, just last Monday when they beat the Monsters. So, again, a very strong second half, and you're hoping that continues into a very strong playoffs. The Gainesville Gold Diggers has been the best team all season long. Columbus played them tough. They went up to Gainesville and they lost two one-run contests. Gainesville had a 21-7 and record. They are the number one overall seed. That just means that Columbus can play with anybody. And I feel 
Columbus has got to get through this semifinals games. Luckily, they have the home field advantage. Game one is going to be at Historic Golden Park uh, tomorrow. First pitch is 7.05. You'll be on the broadcast. We do not know who our opponent is yet. It could be the Atlanta Crackers. It could be the Waleska Wild Things or the Atlanta Blues. We know it's not going to be the Brookhaven Bucks. But if the Chattahoots are able to get by and win the series in the semifinals, and they reach the SBL championship, how different is it going to be this year compared to last year when they lost to the Alpharetta Aviators in two games? Well, I think obviously you have a lot of guys in the team who are part of the 2021 squad, so they'll have that championship mentality, that experience, that they've been there before, they're not going to get freaked out by the moment, by the stage, whatever it might be. I, and it will definitely serve uh, as an enhancement from that 2021 team. Obviously, I hope, too, the weather cooperates because I think fans might remember uh, that some weather impacted the final series and and really turned things a little nutty, especially on that final day, uh, having to talk through about a a two-and-a-half or three-hour rain delay because they didn't know if they were going to call the game and award Alpharetta the championship or if we'd have to play it out and finish the nine. Thankfully, we did finish it out and play the nine, but Alpharetta had a pretty strong lead at that point. So I think... Just the crazy, you know, the, the crazy stories and the resolve and the experience from last season will definitely permeate from the guys that experienced it in year one to a lot of the star guys in year two who will feel like they've been there before. They won't be freaked out by the moment should they get there. And whether they're playing Gainesville, who, you know, you'd say would be a favorite because they've been so darn good all year, or they're playing a team that maybe is going on a little run, like Alpharetta did uh, in 2021. They took it all the way to the championship. I, I think no matter who it is, Columbus is going to give them a good shot because outside of Gainesville, like you said, two one-run losses, there's no team in this field that Columbus has not beaten so it's going to be very competitive. They've got their game plans, and I think it's a uh, it's a very strong team no matter uh, what way you slice it. Zach, I want to talk about the atmosphere at Historic Golden Park. I've been to several Chattahoots games, seven to be exact, and, and if I don't get a chance to go to the game, I'll listen to you on 106.9. Uh, you know, I got two small children, so sometimes we got to leave at seventh inning. But you're there on the radio to to bring us the rest of the way through, and you do a great job on the broadcast. And Ben Thomas does an outstanding job with the PA announcing. And, and you have just a great staff at Ignite Sports that really makes that game day atmosphere at Historic Golden Park. What does that mean just to have the fans come on out to Historic Golden Park? You've had some pretty decent-sized crowds out there supporting the Chattahoots and baseball back in the Fountain City. And this team is really starting to grow on the community, and they're doing very well, and they have a shot at making it back to another championship. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fans are everything. I mean, obviously, if you don't have the fans, you you really don't have a team uh, when you talk about the business of sports. So, you know, we try to make sure that, you know, whether it's your first baseball game or your 500th baseball game, you know, you're going to go out there, you're going to have a good time, and you're going to enjoy the product on the field. And also, you know, some of the stuff we do between innings and away from the ballpark and the concourses, uh, you know, really just try and be welcoming and, and have that fun environment. You know, it, it, wherever you go in terms of sports, you're always going to have 
your diehard fans. You're always going to have people that have like, oh, I've loved baseball. I've loved hockey. I've loved basketball, whatever it is in, in any market you go into. But the key is, is not only appeasing and, and catering to those people, but, you know, bringing out those families that, like you have or just, you know, the random straggler who came into town and is looking for something to do. And, oh, hey, I didn't even realize we had sports teams here. And here in Columbus, the sports teams are all very successful. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you always have to keep that in mind when, you know, you're really going through the turmoil of a season because whether it's 28 games, 56 games, 100 games, you know, they're all long in their own way. But, you know, seeing the home games, the large crowds, the big, uh, big celebrations from the fans, I mean, it makes it worth it. And uh, it just shows that especially here at Ignite Sports, you know, we keep uh, we keep our teams rooted in the in the fabric of the community like we like to say, and uh, just make sure that, you know, that they're good, upstanding members, but they're also your team, your guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Steve Smith with this Chattahoots team has done a phenomenal job of that. I think if you follow us on, uh, on social media, you know, we've been showing off a lot of the guys' personality in different uh, videos and different uh, posts and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's more than just sports. And, and I think, you know, as people are starting to realize that, you know, it's not just about the games. It's, you know, it's a brand. It's something that's fun. And, you know, when it's in your city, it can be uniquely connected to you that you can uh, definitely enjoy it and call it your own. The last time I had you on the show, we were getting ready for game one of the FPHL Commissioner's Cup against the Watertown Wolves. Unbelievable. I, I really wanted to just come out and say what an amazing job you calling that double overtime game in game three. Everybody was on the edge of their seats. I was watching that game from start to finish. And that effort that you had during the Commissioner's Cup, I know that you must have been just had so much adrenaline, but what was that experience like just to be a part of something special? Oh, man, I tell you, it it was insane. Obviously, you know, with the River Dragons winning the Ignite Cup the year before, you know, you'd you'd gotten the sense that, hey – this team could repeat. They could do something special, win another league championship. And I mean, they were one goal away from doing it. You know, game one, we won it at home and we sent our fans off thinking, Hey, that was a, that was a great game. This team's got a shot. We got two games uh, to bring it home from Watertown. And usually when you get to a, a, a series like that, or even a, a situation, you know, where all right, home team won, and now they're going to go up and say, Hey, we're going to try and bring this cup back. Uh, usually the first game, the home team, in this case, Watertown for game two, uh, they come out and, and they really go hard at it. You know, we, we had that one nothing lead in game two, but then Watertown just poured it on. And you could tell once the floodgates, once there was a little, little crack in the dam, basically, everything was going to burst. Watertown eventually just found their stride and, and skated to what looked like a comfortable win in the score sheet, but definitely wasn't. And it set the table for that game three. And I tell you, if you've never been to Watertown, I mean, it's a it's a town, real upstate New York. I'm talking like Syracuse, I think, is like an hour and a half maybe away. And that's your closest big city. I mean, other than that, you're, you're out there. It's, it can be pretty rural. Um, I know fans around Columbus that are military obviously know Sport Drum is up there. Um, but you know, there might not be a lot to do sometimes, but the fact that they have their own pro sports team, you know, fans will come out for that. So 
you know, setting the scene. It's a Monday night and they're packing them in, you know, about 800 people in this uh, really, I, I call it community style rink, but I mean, it's, it's got like a, a grandstand. It's got a good like atmosphere, you know, for this level of pro hockey. And when I tell you, I mean, that place, it was just loud. It was constantly just in your ears. Just everybody was up and at it. And especially once we got to overtime and the crowds living and dying by every single shot and I'm up there with them, you know, feeling the exact same things, but in reverse, obviously, you know, the crowd wants to see the wolves win and I'm over here, you know, trying to get a river dragons puck to go into the net. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it was just insane. Just the, the ebbs and flows of it all. And, uh, you know, obviously when it happened, uh, you know, the building exploded, everyone freaked out and, uh, you know, it was, it was tough and, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, but you know, when you really, you know, got to, uh, got to settle down and really come down from it. You got to really appreciate what you were a part of because yeah, once the adrenaline wore off, I was definitely feeling tired, but man, it was, it was something crazy. It was something special. And uh, the funniest part was, is I was looking back at the, at the stream. I was looking back at some highlights because a player asked me about like what I said about something or how did this goal look or something like that. And, it took me until I actually opened up my phone, went to our YouTube stream, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was a five-hour hockey game. Like, sometimes you can just be on air on baseball for five hours by accident just because of the pace of the game or maybe there's some rain and pregame and postgame and all that. But five hours of hockey, I mean, that is that is unreal, pre- to post-game and the championship trophy being awarded. So, uh, yeah, it was it was something I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, the only shame out of it all is we just couldn't get that last goal. It just went Watertown's way, but uh, we'll get them next year. Yes. And you did have a couple of weeks to rest your voice and then you transitioned into Chattahoots baseball and the Columbus river dragons will start their season in October. So I have to ask you, Zach, with about a month and a half break when the Chattahoots season ends and you get ready for the Columbus river dragons, but it won't happen for another month and a half. Uh, what do you plan on doing uh, during this uh, month and a half long break? Oh, I plan on uh, taking some time off, uh, you know, going up to see my family. Uh, I've got a girlfriend who lives in North Carolina and her and I are planning on making a road trip back up to Michigan, uh, meet my family and uh, just, you know, see, uh, see my home. Cause I haven't even seen it and it feels like about a year. So, you know, that's exciting. Take a couple weeks for that. And then, uh, you know, just, be a human, basically be able to, uh, to enjoy life a little bit, go to some shows, some concerts, and just, you know, overall recharge the batteries, uh, and, and get ready for the next one. You know, it, it's a unique circumstance because, you know, most people, they got one sport and they get an off season and they're able to match it with that, you know, but while all these hockey players, they've been in off season mode for the last, uh, I don't know, two ish, maybe three months, you know, we've still been going here for baseball and the, the, the difference between baseball and hockey versus between hockey and baseball. Uh, it's like, it's the difference between like three weeks. And like you said, maybe a month and a half or two months. Um, so it, it definitely, uh, you, you definitely try and take advantage of that longer window, uh, as much as you can. And, uh, yeah, I got some things lined up to just, uh, you know, hang out, relax, recharge, go see the family for a little bit, which, uh, is always exciting, always fun, always good. And uh, that's that. That's the plans for me. And then uh, once we get through to that, then we then we focus on what's next. Definitely got to recharge the batteries. The season for the Columbus River Dragons will kick off in October. Their first game is against the Elmira Mammoth, but the first home game is going to be Veterans Day at Columbus Civic Center, November 11th. A rematch between the Watertown Wolves. We cannot wait for that. And 
But first, we got the Columbus Chattahoots. They are in a three-game series. We do not know who the opponent is tomorrow, but game one will be at Historic Golden Park. And, Zach, you'll be on the call, and uh, hope you have a great game. And uh, go Hoots, and let's get the series and, and bring it back for another SBL championship. Absolutely. Hootie who, and uh, we'll see everyone at Golden Park. Go hoots.com slash tickets, uh, 705 first pitch. And of course, you can't make it out. I'm on the pregame 635 on our YouTube and our radio network. Yes, you could hear Zach DeBozart on 106.9 in Columbus, but you could also hear him on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. This show is actually broadcasted on WQEE from 5 to 530. So, Zach, it's great having you on the show. Definitely want to have you back. And when we get closer to River Dragons season, I would love to get you back on the show and then talk about some River Dragons hockey. Yeah, let's get it set up. I'm down for it. All right. You've been listening to another episode of the Sports Beat. Thank you, Zach DeBozart, for being a guest on the show. And that is all the time I have on today's show. I hope that everybody has a great weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.